It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I'm going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened they want to know why and how today on the show we're going to talk about the cornerback position particularly Jair Alexander because he spoke with the media uh, this week he created a, a meme of himself and and a clip that not will live in infamy but will certainly live in fame I suppose among uh, a certain group of highly online Packer fans. And then I also wanted to talk about the Bill Barnwell piece uh, that named the Packers the number one regression candidate for 2020. We knew this was coming, but I just I think there's a point that needs to be made here that's different than some of the points that I've made in the past about this regression issue. And they're somewhat related, these, these two topics that we're going to talk about on the show today. We also got official confirmation as of this recording, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, uh, they are out of college football in 2020. Uh, it could come in the spring of 2021, uh, and, and we'll close the show with a little bit more of some discussion on what that means uh, and what it could mean for the NFL from a revenue standpoint. But let's start with this cornerback exercise here because... I wrote a piece for Acme Packing Company last week about the cornerback positions, and it was part of a series that I had done. And what it did was it put the different evaluator tools that we have, the different statistics that we use to evaluate cornerbacks beyond interceptions, beyond tackles, pass breakups, all of these things, things like pro football focus grades, pro football focus coverage grades, and then some charting numbers, things like snaps per reception, ratings when targeted. We use pro football references, approximate value, and sports info solutions, total points value to put together an index of players, the best in football based on these both qualitative and quantitative analyses. So the top 10 has some interesting names on it. Most names you will recognize. Stephon Gilmore, Richard Sherman, Trey White, Marcus Peters, Casey Hayward. That's your top five. And it's a really good top five. It's a pretty intuitive top five. The next five, Joe Hayden, Marlon Humphrey, Stephen Nelson, JC Jackson, Quentin Dunbar. 
perhaps a little bit less intuitive. Number 11, Jair Alexander. Number 14, Tremont Williams. Tremont Williams conspicuously not on this roster. Now, in order to put this group of numbers together, I had taken all of these various statistics and said, okay, only the top 16 at each of these are going to go in. And if you qualified in the top 16 of any single category, then you qualified for the list. Well, Kevin King also qualified here. So the Packers had three cornerbacks qualify last season because in some statistic or another, they were a top 16 cornerback. They were a top tier kind of player, an above average starting cornerback one type statistical resume in one way or another. Three guys, that's really good. And it is one of the reasons why the Packers were a top 10 passing defense last season. Pro Football Focus has done these numbers in the past and found that coverage in terms of passing defense is more important than pass rush. So while the Packers pass rush was certainly a big part of why the Packers passing defense was so good, the pass rush did not create a ton of sack fumbles, for example. Zadarius Smith did not get a bunch of forced fumbles and, and splash plays like that that created turnovers. The secondary did. They were a big part of the success of this defense last year. And they are also a big reason to be optimistic about this team in 2020 and beyond. Brian Gutekunst said this is the most athletic group of corners that they've had since he's been there. And you look at Jair Alexander, outstanding athlete. Kevin King, outstanding athlete. Shannon Sullivan, low-key, outstanding athlete. Tremont Williams, of course, not on the team right now, but certainly for his age, if he were to come back, he is an ageless athlete. And then Josh Jackson, although he doesn't have the fast 40 time, he is an excellent linear athlete, great broad jump, great vertical jump. And Kadar Holman, another guy, has that fast 40 time. This is a quick twitch group. It is a, a fast athletic group. And they are a young group. And Jair Alexander met with the media this week and talked about the growth even of this season. And, and the success that he had toward the end of the season and how that set him up for success moving forward. Through those last couple games, you know, especially in the playoffs, my defense and, and my coverage was the best it's been all year. You know, I, I like that I was able to, to, to turn that focus over, you know, when, when the games really mattered and, and really lock in on my coverage. <clears throat> just just proving uh, that, that I am elite in this league. Um, so I think th that was the biggest takeaway that that I can do those things and when I and when I lock in and when I when I master my craft, you know, the sky's the limit. He also, following that answer, gave so far easily the answer of the year and one of the best interactions that I can remember between a reporter and a player. And it, I think it is meant to be somewhat respectful. Like I don't think Chair is is meaning to shame Bill Huber who asked this question, but it just turned into a really funny, really memorable exchange. Here it is. Um, do you think you're elite? What? Yeah. How so? It's just that unwavering belief that I have in myself. And that's what this defense has. And I think it has the beliefs of Mike Patton. What's interesting is, you know, with Jair Alexander is, you look at something like the pro football focus charting, and it doesn't reflect what he's feeling about his own game. 
because they did not have him graded well in terms of his coverage. And he had a decent grade in the 49ers game, but wasn't great against Detroit, wasn't great against Seattle, had some pretty good numbers against Chicago and Minnesota. But the the, the bar is different. And if he feels like his technique is good, he feels like he's in good positions and he's just missing the ball or he's slipping or whatever. I mean, there are, there are a lot of factors that go into this. It's why some of those grades can be tough. And it's why some of the charting can be tough. He might have gotten tagged for receptions that aren't on him. They were on someone else. Without having the responsibilities, it can be difficult to make those kinds of evaluations at times. And the secondary, if Jair Alexander, who through the first few weeks of the year looked like one of the best cornerbacks in football, one of the best five or six corners in the league, and then at the end of the year, again, he's playing, as he said, some lockdown defense. He was excellent against Tyler Lockett, for example, in the NFC Divisional Round. If Chandon Sullivan is the guy that he looked like over the course of the, the limited snaps that he played, and you can see that you know he has certainly the physical ability to be that, whether or not he can put it all together in, in elevated playing time, we'll see. Kevin King, same thing. We know he has the physical ability, but he's played limited snaps in a different kind of way because he's been hurt. If he's healthy again, This would be his second year fully healthy. Well, that is a pretty big opportunity for him to get significantly better potentially. And if you go back to the 2018 season, the first few games of the year when he was healthy, he looked like a cornerback one. Now, if you are going to make a case about regression, and we're going to talk about regression in the second part of the show. But if you're going to make a case that this defense, which did you know intercept passes, for example, at a rate that could be unsustainable, certainly in the red zone, uh, and, and that this defense took too big a jump, well, we can think of reasons why. The pass rush got a lot better. Kevin King got to play all the games. And Jair Alexander and Shamal Williams were rocks in the secondary. And then you add in the fact that Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos were enormous upgrades. I mean, so much about this defense changed year over year. We almost have to just throw out 2018. I mean, think about what that secondary was at the end of the season. It was three rookies, Jair, Josh Jackson, and Tony Brown. And in the back end, you had Tremont Williams playing out of position at safety. And it was a mess. It was a mess. And you had no pass rush. No pass rush. It was a disaster. So if you could look at, oh, 2019, they got so much better at these things, they're likely to come back down to earth. Well, no, that could just be what this team is now. This defense is so much better than it's been. It's not just this cornerback group that's the most athletic it's been. You look at the outside linebacker group. You look at the safety group. And you have now these athletes all over the field. And this is also something that I think is too often missed when we talk about the weapons for Aaron Rodgers. And this is a a thing that I I harp on because Tom Brady, we always hear, oh, he didn't have weapons. First of all, that's not true. He played with Randy Moss and he had Rob Gronkowski won multiple Super Bowls in that part of his career, even if he didn't win with Randy Moss. I don't want to hear that stuff. He had a Hall of Fame coach and consistently great defenses. Defense is part of the weapon. Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl. And almost another with great defenses. 
the the amount of points that he had to score for his team to win was significantly lower on average than Aaron Rodgers has had to score for his team to win. This is why quarterback wins are not a thing because it depends on so many other factors. And so part of the complaint about, oh, they haven't been drafting receivers lately, they haven't poured resources into it, guess what they've been doing with those resources? Putting together an actually competent defense. And this defense has the potential to be more than just competent. They have the potential to be really good and a potential star like Jair Alexander is a huge reason why. And you don't have to be a star when it comes to cars. Didn't even mean to rhyme it. It just worked out that way to buy auto parts, even though it can feel that way. If you need a part for your car, it can be so intimidating to have to go to the store. Now you have to go to the store, put on a mask, go in and talk to someone. And if you don't know the lingo, it can be a difficult situation. So Make it easy on yourself. Go to rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, and they make it simple. No one price for you and another price for auto mechanics. It is one low price for everyone with a huge catalog of parts, makes, models, everything you could possibly need. So go to rockauto.com where they will make car part buying easy, simple, and best of all, affordable. And when you do, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football here on the Locked On Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel and that's what I love about it. Experience season long wins without the season long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. So Bill Barnwell did not cover any new ground when he wrote about the Packers regression case for ESPN. And it's something that we have talked about sort of preemptively on this show for weeks, months, seems like years. And I have I have made my own case for why I think the Packers could fight that regression, could beat that regression. I don't think they're going to be a 13-3 and team in 2020, however. And one of the reasons I think that is because I never think any team is going to be 13 and 3. I never predict a team to go 13 and 3 because in order to go 13 and 3, you need a ton of luck. So when Barnwell talks about all of the different things that they did get a little bit lucky on, things that are not stable on year to year, interception percentage, red zone defense, close game wins, all that stuff. We've talked about the close game stuff in the past. I think, and we'll we'll get back to that in a in a very specific way in a second. But when you go back and look 
and you use something like win expectation that takes point differential and determines what quality of team you were based on the way in which you won games. There were four teams that won 13 games last year. Only the Ravens had a win expectation of at least 13. And guess what? They won 14 games. So even they had some luck. By win expectation, the Packers were a 10-win team. And, okay, they got good injury luck. We know that. They got some timely turnovers. We know that. And they got some Aaron Rodgers magic against the Lions twice. Well, guess what? Aaron Rodgers still plays for this team. And for whatever we can say about his regression, and that's a that's its own other issue, he can still conjure some magic late in games to help his team win. Then there is this thing about the win expectation formula to start with because it is based a lot on point differential. But if you go back and look, the Packers with their point differential, there were a lot of games that became close. This is also a close game argument. A lot of games that became close that the Packers had double-digit leads in. You know, The Packers opened Washington with a, you know, a 14-0 lead. And they're beating Dallas 31-3 late in the third quarter. And they give up some points late. And part of that is some conservative defensive play calling. Part of that is some conservative offensive play calling. But those were not really close games. And the point differential does not really reflect the quality of those wins. Now, the the counter to that counter is, well, good teams beat the hell out of bad teams. Absolutely. And they step on their throats. They put those games away. You make the plays that turn a 14-0 lead into a 24-0 lead, and at halftime, it's 31-10, and the game is over. The Packers didn't do that consistently last year. But their win expectation would be a lot higher if they had been a little less conservative and if they didn't have those leads because they probably would have stayed aggressive with the passing game. And there, there are a lot of different factors here that come into play. So it does speak to a very real criticism of this team. And that is Matt LaFleur maybe be a little bit more aggressive in the second half. Mike Patton maybe be a little bit more aggressive in the second half. This team needs to perform better in the second half. And it's helpful to develop that killer instinct. And I think that that for a team to have a killer instinct, I think that's a little bit overblown because it's really hard for 53 guys to do anything in unison. I think specific players can have that sort of, okay, it's time to step on the gas here. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, he used to joke, half joke, and I'm not even sure he was half joking, that he led a lot of fourth quarter comebacks or a lot of game-winning drives in the second quarter because they would just, they would jump on teams. And now all of a sudden it's 21-8 and you just, you keep going. It's an avalanche of points. Well, the Packers don't have the offense or didn't have the offense last year to do that. The offensive continuity wasn't there. The consistency wasn't there. The part of their game that was good, or at least the part of their game that was the best, was the run game. And in the second half, you can go to that. Well, you need to have more than that. And that's when it's great to hit some play action. This should be the Packers' bread and butter, right? You have a 10-point lead in the second half. You run the ball. You go play action. And you create some shot plays. Well, the Packers were bad on play action last year. The Packers were bad attacking the middle of the field, the easy part of the field, last year. You start to fix those things, 
And now you're in a position to keep going, to keep the throttle down. You go back to 2014 and and they were leading games at halftime, you know, by 28 points. They could put those games away. The 2019 team wasn't that. But the 2019 team was also a pretty different team than the one in 2018. They're still working to come together. And that continuity, they now have. This is mostly the same team that it was a year ago. And that was not true this time last year. That matters. And it matters even more this year when we've had billions of conversations, I'm pretty sure, about continuity in this unique offseason environment. The Packers now have that. Zadarius and Preston Smith have been playing with Kenny Clark and Kingsley Kiki now for a year. And Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage have been playing with Kevin King and Jair Alexander and Chandon Sullivan for a year. That stuff matters. On the other side of the ball, Aaron Rodgers is now in the Matt LaFleur offense in the same way that he would be in any other year. He knows it now. They have streamlined the verbiage a little bit. They're not having to work on that stuff. They're not having to rep that stuff. You know, Devontae Adams said this is the most detail-oriented offense in the league. Not just because of Matt LaFleur, but because of Aaron Rodgers. I I thought it was fascinating when LaFleur said, we're teaching and installing everything now in the virtual setting, in the classroom, and then they're going to go out onto the field and install it again. I had a world a world history teacher in high school. We would take notes in class, and then at the end of every unit, we had to submit to him a typed version of our notes with additional research that we have annotated and highlighted. He wanted us to repeat the study process to make sure we really had the information, to not just take the notes the first time because that's the internalizing. Now you retype it out. That adds a layer of your understanding. Hey, what is this? Am I getting? Am I spelling these words right? What does this mean? And now you add the additional research. That's like the on-field part for the team. You learn it. Okay, now you're going to learn it again for real. So you have the visual learners. You have the hands-on learners. And everyone gets to come together. And then you really drill down the details. That was the part that Matt LaFleur felt was lacking last year. Because you just don't know the offense the same way. So now they get to get on the field after really digging in into the minutia, and that could be a place where you get better even if you didn't add significant talent. So you look at the Packers. Any team, any year, you're not going to predict 13 wins. But the Packers can be better in 2020 and not win 13 games. If you want to look at you know something like DVOA, they could be better by DVOA this year than they were last year and win fewer games. And there is also this schedule part. There is also this offseason part. You can, okay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're on the schedule now. They added a bunch of talent. The Packers didn't. Well, that game's tough. It's in Tampa. Okay, well, is that a big deal now? Is going to Minnesota now a big deal? Minnesota, who in week one is going to start three rookie corners, who's going to start a rookie receiver, who is going to start a potential disaster on the interior of their offensive line with no opportunities in the offseason to put everything together, with Dalvin Cook potentially not even being out there, not even getting reps with his team in the preseason because there is no preseason. 
the Packers are going to have some built-in advantages that they wouldn't otherwise in other seasons. So I think Green Bay last year was an 11-win team, even though the numbers said 10. I think if you add in all of those little things where it's like, okay, they beat this team and they were toying with them and they just didn't really give full effort or they just didn't know how to take that next step. That is a, a learning curve thing for LaFleur, for Patton, for these players. I think as a team, you do have to learn how to win together. Generally, teams don't just make that super leap. You don't go from zero to 60. You know, the 49ers are a unique case where they added some talent and they just had this incredible season, but they went to the Super Bowl and lost. And they went to the Super Bowl and lost to a Chiefs team that the year before had gone to the AFC Championship and lost. Think back to the Aaron Rodgers Packers 2009. They go into the playoffs. They have a really good team in 2009. They lose on the road in a heartbreaker to the Cardinals. The next year, they win the Super Bowl. Think back, if you're old enough, to the 90s. The Packers in 95 go to Dallas. They get throttled in the NFC Championship game. The next two years, they go to the Super Bowl, including the win in 96. It it tends to be an evolution. It tends to not be just 0-60. to Well, the Packers can be the team that evolves this year. It's going to be hard for some of these other teams to make these big leaps. Are the Eagles really going to add a bunch of rookies and suddenly be NFC contenders? Are the Buccaneers going to add all of these geriatric players and suddenly be contenders? Are the Vikings going to add all of these neophytes and suddenly be contenders? Your your mileage on that is going to vary. It's going to be up to you to decide that. I don't see it. So I think the Packers were probably an 11-win team last year. I think they are probably going to be an 11-win team again. But I think they could be better by DVOA because they're going to face a more difficult schedule. And even though they may lose more games, I think they're going to play better. They're going to play more like an 11-12 win team. They're going to be a top 10 team by DVOA. And you're going to see a team that actually does improve with internal developments, even if that win-loss record comes down. Because I don't think some of the underlying metrics really support in full what we actually saw on the field last year. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store this episode is brought to you by wise progress is great isn't it people listen to music on record players then tapes and cds and now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with WISE, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies. So when you send, spend, or convert money with WISE, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. 
and over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try WISE for free at wise.com slash podcast. Now that we know what's going on with, with college football, at least to a degree, I wanted to make this point, and I actually meant to make it yesterday, but now is as good a time as any to make it. The NFL is apparently, according to reports, already looking into expanding the schedule in 2020. If there's not going to be college football, and it looks like there's not going to be, you have Saturday games. And the reason you have Saturday games is because there's no college football. So now you can have noon games Saturday and Sunday. You can have late games Saturday and Sunday. And you can have night games Saturday and Sunday. Well, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Saturday is a college football day. Well, you do that because now you can spread the schedule out. And every game can be seen by more and more and more people. In a given week, especially you know non-bi-week weeks, when you have 16 games, rather than three windows where people can view them and you have one big national TV game on Sunday on Fox... Now you have two and you take that noon slate and you cut it in half because now you can play this other set of noon games on Saturday and each of those games now is going to have a much wider audience. Now, will it have more people? Maybe, maybe not. But if you live in Green Bay or Milwaukee or Neshota or Wausau or Washington, you're only getting that one game unless you have the DirecTV package. Well, if you live in Green Bay, you get the Packers game, right? Now, there's a Saturday game. If the Packers were playing Sunday at noon, you're only getting that Sunday noon game. Well, you're not seeing Lions at Vikings. You're not seeing Patriots Bills. Now, if those games are on Saturday, you can watch them. That's an eyeball that they weren't getting before. And, and more to the point, it is an ad dollar they weren't getting before. This is huge. You're basically doubling the slate. And so all of the revenue, not all of it potentially, but a lot of the revenue that you're missing out on by not having fans, you can make up with an expanded TV package. If instead of one Sunday night football slate, you have two Think of what the ratings are going to be, especially with no college football. People are going to be jonesing for football. Don't tell me you're not going to watch. You're going to watch because the people that were watching college football, they would watch all day Saturday and they were watching all day Sunday. And, you know, if you're the kind of person who is like, well, I need to pick one because I want to stay married (laughs) or I have kids or whatever. I totally understand that. I, I sort of had to make that decision, you know, a while ago for myself. I'm an NFL guy. It's what I do professionally. I cannot be as into college as I used to be where I used to watch as many games as I possibly could. I was, you know, starting at 11 and up until God knows when watching these games and then getting up and watching football. My wife and now my newborn child are not going to love that. The NFL is going to get eyeballs on these games, which means they're going to get money for these games And that has ramifications for the league. It has ramifications for the salary cap. And all of a sudden now that floor, that 175 million in the 2021 cap 
you can raise that. And maybe all of a sudden you're not losing all that money. You're not losing all of that revenue that gives you player salaries. And it could be, honestly, it could be the saving grace of the collective bargaining agreement and player salaries in 2021. That's not hyperbole. So we'll keep an eye on that situation if it's something that the league can actually work out. Um, they have, you know, they have a month to figure this out. And I'm sure if they went to Fox and CBS and NBC and even ESPN and said, hey, let's get this done, they could get a deal done pretty easily. And it, it's uh, it's something that, that would really be a, a saving grace for the league. All right, we're going to be here tomorrow, here the next day. We're getting closer and closer to actual football. Uh, we are just, you know, a, a month away from on-field football and, and hopefully all of the protocols and everything in place help keep the players safe. Matt LaFleur saying yesterday that they, they can actually, they get tested and the next morning, you know, before the guys get in the building, they'll have the results. So anyone who's positive, they can keep from the facility so that they're not potentially infection points for anyone else. That's going to be essential for the team moving forward. Follow me on Twitter for the latest around the league. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski at Locked on Packers. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.